the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. We have to walk, we are raised to walk in newness of life. We have to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to Christ. Those who trust Christ, who have really trusted Christ, will follow him because they are new creations. Old things are passing away and they're off limits. They don't want these things anymore. Is it easy? No, it's not. Any of us who've been a Christian for any length of time know how hard it is to kill off these things. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every dragon will fall The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Hello and welcome to the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so grateful that you've joined us today for the broadcast, and as we always do, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's program, we will be continuing with our study through the Book of Romans as we hear a message that Pastor Keith has entitled, Walk This Way. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the book of Romans, chapter 6. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. We want to make our lives a beautiful thank you letter to the Savior who rescued us from sin, death, and hell. So God affords us this privilege, this opportunity to participate with Him, to obey the the teaching to which we were committed, to embrace it to, with determination and intentionality, become more like Christ and less like ourselves, to cooperate with him. And you see this talked about in Romans 6, 5 through 11. Let's look at that together. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. So that, for the purpose of, we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. Verse 9, we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion on him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So, so, you must also You also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. We want to live for God. 
We want to push back against the old appetites, against the old behaviors. We want to treat ourselves, consider ourselves dead, off limits to this old way of living and thinking. So if you belong to Christ, change is inevitable and change is essential. It's your reasonable spiritual service of worship. You present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual service of worship. You must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That is what we call progressive sanctification. It's a process, not an event. It's like the stock market. It's volatile sometimes. We have peaks and valleys. We stumble. But the trend is upward. And that's why we read a moment ago in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And I tell you what goes on with that. We kind of waddle around like a newborn baby and stumble. We're so excited and we're so clumsy and we say sometimes stupid things and sometimes we do dumb things because we love God so much we kind of spray everyone around us, you know. But as we grow, we become wiser, we become more capable, more able to explain what has happened to us and more, uh, more able to point people to Jesus and not just rub them the wrong way. This is the change that he works. Paul talks about the, his attitude toward this in Galatians 2.20. Galatians is the cliff notes to the book of Romans. And in Galatians 2.20 it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What Paul is, what Paul does is in response to the Son of God who loved him and who gave himself for him. And that's why change is an essential feature of our salvation because we love God. It's an act of worship. And what is worship? Everything we say, think, and do. You know, teaching is worship, preaching is worship, listening is worship, praying is worship, singing is worship. Those, are all, those things are all worship, but worship is also what happens when we leave this building. Worship are the thoughts we think as we react to a particular situation, person, place, or thing. Worship is taking certain thoughts captive and not going there in our minds anymore. Worship is doing the right thing for the right reasons in light of what God has done for us. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How could you not want to? How could you not want to change? How could you not want to, given what he's done for you? He has saved you from, from the wages of sin. He has saved you from the eternal consequences of all the wrong choices that you deliberately made and maybe tried to blame on other people. So God saves us. We play no role in that. That's an act of grace. But as he sanctifies us, as he polishes off the rough edges, we cooperate. It's essential that we do so we can bring glory to him, good to others, and growth to ourselves. And the life that we now live in the flesh, in the here and now, we live by trusting in God. It, remember what it said in Romans earlier, the righteous man shall live by his faith. That's what's going on here. And it's not always easy. Sometimes it's oh so hard. I know, you know, if, if, if the Apostle Paul is the chief of sinners, Keith Crosby is the vice chief of sinners. Give me a chance, I'll mess it up. Give me a chance... Make, get me tired enough and cranky enough and I'll say the wrong thing. And, you know, and it's a struggle. It's a metamorphosis. Just like struggling to get out of that cocoon. You, you watch that, that 
monarch butterfly emerged from the chrysalis, that is sanctification. God knows that, and that's why he gives us grace. That's why he gives us the Holy Spirit, who we'll talk more about in chapter 8. In fact, let me just remind you of what we read a while ago in Romans 5 a few weeks ago. But we rejoice in our sufferings. We rejoice in our trials, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. That's the provision of God to enable us to change, to to empower us as we wrestle against our old body of death in this new life in Christ. There's hope in there. The hope of the glory of God and hope does not disappoint. This is where our faith and trust in God and our commitment to Christ is manifested, is demonstrated, is displayed as we wrestle with change because we want to be pleasing to him because we love him. Change is essential. We have been raised to walk in newness of life and this involves being committed to killing off our old ways. And I'm going to talk a little bit more now about the process of change. Maybe a little bit into the how-to side of it because you're saying, well, how does this work? How do I do this? Because I keep trying to change and I don't. The things I do want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. Well, Paul and Jesus talk about this. This is what some would call the doctrine of mortification. What is that? Mortification sounds like death. It is. It's putting to death the things in our lives that we know displease God, that cause harm to others, that don't that don't foster spiritual growth. It's identifying persons, places, and things that got to go. Behaviors, behaviors that are destructive, that don't build up, but that tear down. And both Paul and Jesus teach extensively on this. If you look with me in Ephesians 4, 17 to 23, you have sort of a blueprint here, a little outline of how to pull this off, how to cooperate with God in your sanctification. Listen as I read to what he says. Look, now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Consider yourself dead to sin, right? And alive to Christ. And the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart, due to their stubbornness. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught about him as the truth is in Jesus. Verse 22 to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Walking in newness of life involves considering yourself dead to the old way and identifying the things that have to go. He talks about putting off and putting on. Putting off, the, the, in the original language there, it, it pictures taking, uh, for those of you who used to be athletic or still are, you taking off those sweaty clothes and just slinging them off because you're repulsed by the smell. That's what that pictures there, believe it or not. Is you're putting off these things. And he says, assuming you've heard the word, assuming you've been taught the word of God, assuming you've embraced the word of God, you're putting off all these terrible things. You're getting rid of them. And mortification is the concept of killing them off. It's cutting off the air supply, the blood supply. It's radical amputation. That's what the old English Puritans used to talk about. It's like putting a tourniquet on too tight. The flow of blood is cut off to the arm. The tissue begins to die and then you whack it off. It doesn't hurt because you've killed all the nerves and sensation in it too. Now the process is painful. And there's what he tells you to do. You put this stuff off. You get rid of it. Put these things far away from you. 
We put off the old practices because we want to be new. We get after it. It's, it's like in the military, they call them, we used to call them search and destroy missions. Find the stuff in your life that causes you to stumble, that is displeasing to God, and do it violence. I think they changed it to sweeping clear because it sounds more friendly, but it's killing. It's doing, you know, you are not allowed to hate anything in this world except sin. And you're not allowed to do violence to anything in this world except sin. And it's doing violence to sin. We are not passive. We're not letting go and letting God. We are active. We are after it. Jesus talks about this himself in Matthew 5, 29 to 30. Unless you think I was getting a little extreme there with Paul. In Matthew 5, 29 to 30, he says this. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body going to hell. He's saying detach and discard. Put it off. Dispose of it. Get rid of it. And he's using really extreme language. It's hyperbole. He's using extreme exaggeration to make a point. And that day, everybody was right hand pretty much in that culture. And this is nothing against lefties. They were right hand, right eye dominant. And to pull out your right eye or cut off your right hand was considered the ultimate crippling blow. And he's saying, you know what? Whatever causes you to stumble, if you have to cripple yourself in order to be free of it, do so. That's how serious this mortification, this killing off of sin in our life is. So you got to make a list of these things and do them violence. You are dead to sin. Consider yourself. Consider these things off limits. This person, this place, this thing, this habit. It's got to go. It's off limits. Put on the new self. Old things are passing away. All things are becoming new. That's what's going on here. In Colossians three twelve through 16, we have a, the flip side of that coin. And it's a little more positive sounding, you know, gouging out, cutting off, putting off. And it's this. Paul, it's Paul again. And he says in verse 12, after doing a little discourse on putting stuff off, he says, put on then as God's chosen ones, as those raised to walk in newness of life, as those who consider themselves dead to sin, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving one another as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive and above all these things put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony and then he says this in verse 16 let the word of Christ richly dwell within you let me just I'm going to go off on a rabbit trail here I'm going to share with you one of my pet peeves most of us can recite our social security number our student ID number we probably know our license tag okay you know what model car you have you know the lyrics to your favorite songs depending on who you listen to and yet, you've burned those things into your brains and hearts, but you say, well, I'm really not a, I really don't read the Bible, I'm not a reader, you know? You know what? If you want to change the way you think, if you want to change the way you function, if you want to reprogram your operating system, if you want to purge that malware off of your hard drive, you're going to have to have a daily intake of the Word of God, and you're going to probably have to memorize it like you did your Social Security number. Because what it, the key to all this putting off and putting on is letting the Word of God richly dwell within you. It's like the teaching Paul talks about in chapter 5 and chapter 6. We acquire and cultivate new behaviors. These are acts of worship and obedience. We determine to demonstrate love toward others even while we were yet sinning, even while they were yet sinning against us as Christ loved us even while we were yet sinning against Him. We want to seek to be at peace with all people. 
And so we consider ourselves dead to sin. And in so doing, we grow, we change, we metamorphosize. This is worship. This is our expressing gratitude to our rescuer. And that's why we have to walk this way. We have to walk this way. We have to walk, we are raised to walk in newness of life. We have to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to Christ. Those who trust Christ, who have really trusted Christ, will follow him because they are new creations. Old things are passing away and they're off limits. They don't want these things anymore. Is it easy? No, it's not. Any of us who've been a Christian for any length of time know how hard it is to kill off these things. It's a change in behavior. You know, I think of muscle memory. You have a spiritual muscle memory. You have a behavioral muscle memory. Years and years and years and years ago, when my oldest daughter was playing the violin, uh, she made a decision that she wanted to go to, like, to a conservatory. And to gear up for that, that's like gearing up to be an elite athlete. And so we found uh, Terry and her would drive from Green Bay to Chicago for lessons with this other uh, teacher and it was determined that the way that she held her violin was like her fingertips were like one tenth of an inch off and to play the way she needed to play you would have to correct that here's the problem we're talking after about nine or ten years of playing the violin you have muscle memory you have calluses worn there you have all these habits that have been formed and they had to be undone in a year and so for a year she stopped learning concertos And for a year, she adjusted her grip and just played the scales over and over again that she had learned as a little girl and had to reprogram her muscle memory in a year, which by the grace of God, she did. That's the kind of struggle. Lots of tears, lots of pain, lots of blisters, new calluses, new behaviors, new pathways. That is our sanctification. God has given us new life. He's put his spirit in us. The Holy Spirit, which has been given to us, he shed his blood, he shed his love into our lives, poured his love, he's provided for us everything we need. He's given us the trials and now he's perfecting us. He is polishing us up and we struggle like that butterfly emerging from that chrysalis. But you know what? That's what we're called to do because with salvation, change is inevitable and with genuine salvation, change is essential so that we can live our lives for the glory of God, for the good of others, and for our own growth, so that we can be one and maybe bring one to faith in Christ. So I want you to think about these things. So what do you do? Okay, Pastor Keith, you talked about all this stuff, but you haven't told us how to do it. I'm going to give you some application here, and uh, you want to write this down. It's not in your notes, and it's not in the slides. How do you do this? How do you cooperate in your sanctification? How do you make the difficult changes? How do you reprogram your spiritual muscle memory? Before I say that, let me let you know, this is a supernatural process because if you are a born-again Christian, you have the Spirit of God and he will help you do this. You would not be able to do this without him. You could not do this in your own strength, but in Christ, filled by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, you can do this. Doesn't mean it's gonna be easy, it's difficult, but difficult does not mean impossible. Number one, identify identify. What does that mean? Well, the next time you blow it, the next time you fall into the same old trap you fell in before, you want to do an autopsy, a post-mortem on what happened. What was it that went on here? What was this? What yellow, orange, and red flags did I ignore? What should I have noticed? What appetite started to arise within me? What thought process started to dominate my thinking that I should not have given it any quarter? What was it? What were the warning flags? Identify. 
Number two, target, target. Target the thinking, target the attitude, identify the stronghold and zero in on it and prepare to uh, prepare an assault against it. Prepare an attack. And then three, this is the attack. You put it off. You take steps to put it off. You cut off the blood supply. You, oh, this is my friend. And when I'm with him or her, I'll always do this. Say goodbye. Detach and discard. If your right eye causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away from you. Cut off the air supply. Disrupt the supply chain. What are the things that contribute to me doing this insanity again? Because insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different outcome. What, do I, what is it that's going on here? And what do I need to kill off? How do I go about killing it off? What do I need to do? Do I need to change jobs? Do I need to drive to work a different path? Do I need to hang out with different people? Do I need to watch different TV shows? Do I need to listen to different music? Do I need to not be drawn into these kinds of conversations? Do I need to learn to control my mouth? Whatever it is, right? You're putting this off. Speak less. You know, this is what's going on here. So you identify, you target, and you put off. You detach and discard. You get rid of it. You cut off the, the air supply, the blood flow. You whack that thing off, whatever it is. And then number four, put on. Oh, we've been through this in the text, right? Put on. Cultivate new attitudes. You pull these weeds out of your garden, right? Make sure you put them in a trash bag so the seeds don't get out on the grass. Pull the weeds out of the garden and plant something in its place. Replace it. Replace it with new thinking. Reprogram your mind daily. Well, how do I do that? Well, read your Bible. Memorize scripture. Listen to a sermon. Listen to a podcast. Listen to the sermon online all over again. New thinking. This is your reprogramming. This is your developing new spiritual muscle memory. This is part of your metamorphosis. Download new definitions daily. You know what? Read a chapter of Proverbs a day. Whatever. Upload, update, I'm sorry, your spiritual database. Renew and reprogram your mind. What does Paul say? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice. How? Not being conformed to this world, putting off, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind, putting on, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How do we do that? Well, Colossians 3.16, let the word of God dwell in you richly. We read this earlier. Romans 6.17, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. This is it. You, you can't do this without the word of God. You can't do this. You can't, you can't be half in. You gotta be all in, right? So you identify, you target, you put off, you put on, and then what? Repeat the process all over again. And give it at least six months before you can expect any kind of progress. You know, if you were trying to get in shape and start running, it's going to take six months. Bad habits cultivated over a lifetime, it's going to take a while. But understand this, it all begins with salvation. If, If there's no rebirth, if you have not been born again, not only will you not see the kingdom of God, but you won't have the ability to do any of this. And so I just want to take a moment to ask you, where do you stand in relation to God? You can't earn his love. He offers it to you. Through Jesus Christ, have you received it? Have you embraced Christ as your Savior? That is the starting point for all of this. So I just want you to think about what you've heard today. This is part one. Part two is next Sunday. And this, I call it transition series, won't end until the end of chapter eight. So I just want you to think about this. I want you to to put off and put on, to detach and discard, to understand that, that genuine salvation means that change will inevitably take place And it also means it will be essential to your spiritual growth. And therefore, do what you do 
for the glory of God, for the good of others, and your own growth. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408-269-4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live radio program is a listener-supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org and also at jono at hillside.org. That's J-O-N-O at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you And thanks for listening.